United Lutheran Seminary presents the Seminary Explores podcast, conversations on faith, art, people, politics, theology, life, and more, with voices from around the corner and around the globe. Good day. Welcome to the Seminary Explores. My name is Nelson Strobert, and my guest today is Dr. Kiersey Sterner, who is the first Lutheran... First Lutheran Los Angeles Southwest California Synod Professor of Lutheran History and Theology. Welcome to the Seminary Explorers. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right, right. Uh, although this is not your first time here, but on uh, this time, uh, the last time uh, you you had co-authored with Dr. Brooke Schramm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I know dis- him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I brought him with me to California. He's actually right here. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, but this time, um, you are the sole writer of, of a new book um, that is entitled Lutheran Theology. A Grammar of Faith, an interesting title I found and intriguing for me. And my first question is, uh, how did this text come about? How did you come to conceive of this textbook? That's a really wonderful question. Um, I have been teaching Lutheran theology, or what we called Lutheran Confessions, a while back. And um, so I've been teaching this, and I didn't have a book that really worked for the purposes of how the curriculum allowed me to teach or invited me to teach the, the, the topic. And I used different books along the years. And then when I moved to Berkeley and we went through a curriculum revision uh-huh. and, um, and we were retitling everything and I really didn't have a book. And I my PowerPoints were getting longer and longer and they were no longer helpful. So I wrote a book based on basically how I've been teaching this uh, over the last 20 years, but really in the last five years, it became clearer what was the sort of the, the key with which I would <laughs> sing this song. Right. And, and origi- originally the title was Lutheran Sources, uh, Lutheran Theology Sources and Hermeneutics. And uh, that's kind of a, a title. So we, uh, with some colleagues, we mulled over the title that what, what are you really trying to do? I'm trying to think of the grammar of faith, faith language. So that's what got into the title. So it's from teaching, really from teaching. I needed a book. Really? Okay, okay. And for our listening audience, those people who might not be uh, um, seminarians or uh, or pastors or diaconal ministers, um, what um, what is theology? Yeah, so that question actually comes up in the classroom week one, typically. Uh, What is theology? We can't assume today that everybody knows what we mean by the term. And um, so I would say theology is about life and ultimate concerns. It's about God questions, which are human questions and earth questions and animal questions. Uh, Theology is about ultimate concerns and, and theology is what helps us to find a grounding and rationale and orientation in our lives, directs our values and gives us a a way to think about my worth and your worth and what are our commitments in the world. And religion is the the fuel for that. Um, It's also part of, gives um, theology is the heart of what we call religion or spirituality. And uh, it's a rationale for what we do with what we call with religion. What, what we call religion. So does that give you a sense how I see theology? Yeah, I, 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 I see that. Uh, yeah, broad. Uh, and, and yet, I guess uh, while you were talking, I was thinking, 
um, our world, and perhaps I mean, maybe I need to speak for the United States, uh, we don't um, we don't engage in theology, or do you see, uh, or how is theology framed in this twenty first century? It seems to me that God language um, and those questions of ultimate concern seem to be waning in mm. our li- in our lives. Yeah, I think they're there, but some uh, some views are louder than others. We all have ultimate concerns, but maybe we have found our way away from a church community or faith community. We still have the same concerns, but we don't have a language to name what's going on. What oh. am I questioning? So theology gives a grammar for what all of us are dealing with somehow. We all have ultimate concerns. We are born and we die. Right. And anything between is an ultimate <laughs> concern. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Uh, and uh, then... Uh, what do you see, I mean, cause, because there are a number of theology books or basic theology books uh, around, what do you see as unique to your text? Well, we could start with the cover. <laughs> the cover is blue and it has wild birds flying over the ocean and the ocean is kind of stormy. Uh, if you Google uh, theology books, you don't see a lot of that. And, and there's a reason for that. Um, what is most unique about this book is, well, me. I mean, every book is unique because of the author. And I'm, I'm a Finnish. Uh, I'm, a, I'm from Finland. I lived in, a, in this country for 30 years. And uh, so the book brings both Finnish and my kind of American approach to Lutheran theology. So that's unique. But, but really, and, and how I, I, do, I choose not to be historian or theologian while I identify as a theologian, but I work with both materials and questions. And I really dwell more with the constructive questions than history while I bring that there as an undercurrent. So that separates my book from some other Lutheran theology books on the market that uh, either deal with the history and don't come to this century or are dealing constructively with contemporary issues and don't really care a hoot about what happened in the 16th century. And then um, what I would say that my approach is aims to be hospitable and inclusive and open, open to change and to be proven wrong. Like I don't want to give like affirmative answers to many of the questions, but I wish to wish to facilitate that. And last but and, and my audience, I, I as I, I write it for my classroom, but the classroom is beyond the seminary walls. I'm thinking the global the global person, anywhere in the globe, people have questions and who is interested in Lutheran faith language. Uh, I'd like this text to be invitational and easy access. And last but not least, what makes it unique really is the freedom language. Uh, That's the red thread through the book. I believe Lutheran theology is freedom theology. And if it's not, then what is its worth? I'm not sure. But in my reading, Lutheran theology speaks of freedom issues and the freedom perspective is what makes it maybe most unique. Okay, I just the okay. Yeah, as your response, uh, my mind was uh, started uh, just ticking off other questions. Uh, one, uh, when you uh, you talked about uh, Finnish and American theology, uh, you you bringing those two forces or two um, aspects of theology together or in conversation. Uh, could you share? Um, the differences and similarities between Finnish and American theology? Uh, Lutheran theology. Let's Lut- talk about Lutheran Lut- theology. Lut- yeah. Yes, Lutheran mm-hmm. theology. 
Well, so Finland, a uh, nation of five million people, and most of them have been Lutheran. So there's a way to be Lutheran and speak about Lutheran theology that's very, um, uh, let's say, it, it, you, when you talk about what's Lutheran, you, kinda, you, you can expect you to know what the answer is. Right. In this country, when you say we're Lutheran, there are so many different kind of Lutherans here, and right. also Lutheran languages of faith, but well, the foundation is the same. So that's the main difference, that, that in Finland, in Finnish Lutheran theology, the foundation of what has it meant to be Lutheran for centuries is so strong yes. that Lutherans there can afford to be more ecumenical and, and, and tolerant and, and conversational with others. For instance, the very important work between um, Finnish Luther scholars and the Eastern Orthodox uh, Russian theologians in the 80s was groundbreaking ecumenical work. And I think what made it possible was in part the Lutheran, Finnish Lutheran theologians' strong founding foundation that they did not need to defend everything and their theology because they were pretty comfortable with the language they, they were using. Whereas in US, you had to articulate again and again, like, oh, Lutheran what? And I, I encountered that when I came to Boston in 1990, and I was the only Lutheran in a classroom. Uh -huh. And I had to be able to articulate, what do you mean? Why, why are you Lutheran? What's so special about that? So I think that changes a little bit how you, uh, how you function as a Lutheran or with Lutheran theology. And also, I would say this, that uh, I was trained first in Finland. Uh, we read Luther. We did not really care about the Book of Concord. I mean, we know we had to sign the Oxford Confession uh, if we become ordained, but that really wasn't the focus of the study. It was all focused, most focusing on deep oh. study of Luther. Oh, really? in America, oh yeah, here the our Lutheran students had to study Book of Concord. And to me, for years, that was a question, like, why? <laughs> because, oh, okay. well, but now I, I'm in love with Book of Concord, don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> but that, that, And I remember that was one of my questions from my professor, Karin Lindbergh, that uh, what, is the, what, is the more, what is more important for American Lutheran tradition, Luther or confessions? And he stopped and said, Kirsi, that's a really good question. Let's talk about that. And so, yeah. I hope that answers your question uh, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing uh, that comes to mind um, when you uh, you were, uh, when you were responding before, and you talked about the, this issue of freedom, and um, could you elaborate on what you see as freedom in Lutheran theology? Oh, everything. So when we think of the word Lutheran, it it evokes the name of Martin Luther. Uh, we would not know about Martin Luther and we would not have a Lutheran tradition unless this person, monk first, then, then professor, father, husband, if he didn't have these questions about his own uh, existential worth, he okay. felt so burdened as a human being. He was burdened by many demons and ailments and anxiety and, and his religion was burdening him. And how he rose to become a reformer and somebody we still care about is that he showed how important these existential ultimate concerns are because they may end up changing the world. So it started from him being in, in angst, in anxiety about his own salvation and worth. And he was freed from a religion that was a burden. And wow. he wanted to share that freedom with others that, hey, religion is supposed to free you to to feel your worth and be a good citizen. Yeah, freedom and, to live, and, yeah. Yeah, freedom to live and freedom to love. Freedom freedom from uh, the need to prove your worth for the world or God, because you can't really do that. But then 
once you have that affirmation of your being free and a beloved child of God, then in Lutheran thinking, in Luther's experience, you are free to love others. And what that loving others means is to free others, do all in your power to free others. And that word freedom, we actually teach freedom, freedom theology with Luther at PLTS. Uh, it, it used to be called Luther Seminar, but you know, it's freedom theology with Luther because that's the lens. So what does it mean that you free others with the theology? Yes, it talks about giving, it's about giving a language that allows you to experience freedom internally, existentially. But it also means how do you, what do you do in your daily life, in your vocation? Let's say you are a legislator mm. or you make a choice. Do I run to the Capitol and try to break into the, mm, uh, the where people are governing? Yeah. yeah. Or what? How do I use my freedom to free others? Right. So that's a very live question. And one of the reasons that makes Luther so uh, current now, because it wasn't just theory for him. He felt the, the power of freedom and he also saw the risk of freedom talk. When he was speaking of this freedom, there were many poor peasants who said, we like this. We want to be free too. We want to be free to hunt and fish and not to be burdened by taxes. Let's go and take what is ours. <laughs> and yeah. Luther said, yeah, 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 but please hold, hold, hold. I don't want violence. And that's where we are today. Don't you think that we, we value freedom and the word freedom is a, uh, it's a fighting word almost, like what's my freedom? That's How does right. that yes. relate to yours? So Luther is very much alive today in this. And I think Lutheran theology has a has a moment here to, to offer constructively a way to bring God into it and the godliness and the sacredness of everything that we do. Yeah, uh, well, I'm... Uh I'm excited by by what you've said, and it seems to me that um, you're trying to well, you, you you're trying to um, bring in um, Lutheran theolo the Lutheran theological tradition in the midst of so much that is going on in our world today, and um, mm -hmm. uh, and other voices, you know, in terms of women, um, feminists, uh, gay, lesbian, transgender people. Um, does that fit into that freedom. Absolutely. And so uh, I've been teaching since 2000. And for so many years, I, I met many uh, women, I met many persons who were queer, but not out. And uh, I met transgender persons. And I saw that what we were teaching about Lutheran theology, it seemed to exclude or, or there was something going on that our Lutheran tradition, I, I speak out because I'm Lutheran, the Lutheran language and faith commitments did not create a safe and hospitable space for all of us, which for me was against the very Lutheran principles of inclusivity. I mean, Luther, mm, in a sense, inclusivized religion, said, hey, this belongs to everybody. Everybody comes to communion. Everybody should read the Bible and read it for themselves. Right. Well, he, yeah. So I see when I moved to Berkeley, which is very different, many of my, my colleagues are, are queer. Many of my students are queer, transgender, and how much I have learned these individuals. And and uh, and I, I see there many of these friends and colleagues and students faces in the pages of the book because some of the discussions uh they are the undercurrent ah. they are the, they're the undercurrent and the fuel for yeah we need to be able to open up the conversation and do all in our power to really be true to the lutheran principles of inclusivity and 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 have theology let theology be the form of empowerment empowerment rather than uh exclusion uh and a burden 
Oh. So and I and I and I write as a, as a feminist, as a woman who has who has experienced discrimination and bullying and hazing and belittling, and so that gives me a place of solidarity and a place of listening uh, to people who have been experiencing that in in a much graver scale than I. And let's say it comes to question of marriage, I speak a little bit about the Lutheran teaching of marriage in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, well, what do Lutherans today say about the right to marry? Who gives us the right to say that if you're a queer couple, you can't get married? Right. Like, let's think about that again. And I wouldn't maybe have asked that question if I hadn't met people who I saw were deeply hurting when the church was condemning their relationship or, yes. or their being. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, it's absolutely there. And many of the questions and voices in the book come from my, my students who are, who are gay or lesbian or transgender. Oh, well, then, this is a very helpful, uh, uh, very helpful contribution to their lives, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, now, I know uh, you said that this book, uh, this text, uh, uh, developed from your classroom, uh, you know, in a, in a, you know uh, with seminarians, etc. Uh, but um, do you think that your book might, <clears throat> might be useful in the congregational setting mm-hmm. and and if, so, how, and, and if so how yeah absolutely and i hope that uh, because currently i'm also a pastor's wife and i'm a very active church lady nowadays because i like my husband's sermons and uh, and we are part of a small church community here in santa barbara area and i'm a member of my uh, seminary church community and i'm a member of a finnish lutheran church community so call me a church lady and, and the questions that we discuss in these church settings are the same that we address in the seminary setting. And for instance, when I go to Sunday school led by my, 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 my partner, spouse, Brooke Schramm, the questions these lay members are asking are, <laughs> they could be as well in my seminary class. And what I've seen is that what is important is that in order for congregations and people in the congregations or those who maybe want to join the conversation in the conversations is to create a space where there's information, education, catechesis in a sense, right. uh, because because we can't count on people really knowing even the basics. And even if they do, they may have never had a space that is safe enough to ask critical questions. And and so I, I have in my mind, as I was finishing the book right before the pandemic, I was thinking of my students and I was thinking of my, 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 my sisters and brothers in the, in the church community and trying to find a language that anybody can understand and be included and, and have, uh, have questions that guide that thinking, right. and, that guide that question. So I added questions and keywords and key readings after each, each chapter. So there, this very easy book to use for, let's say, uh, Sunday school said, hey, let's read chapter three about God and say what, what questions are here. And that will definitely spur more questions from the, from the classroom, which is the whole church. Yeah, one of the, one of the things I noticed in your, uh, your book, which I downloaded, uh, was that um, the sources, I mean, you have a lot of resources at the end of each chapter. Um, uh-huh. Uh, for people to look at for for further reading, uh, mm-hmm. that 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 is very extensive and I think very helpful uh, to to the seminarian uh, as well as to the person in the pew uh, who wants to study Lutheran theology. 
And mm-hmm. so I really appreciated that as I looked at, at, at your yeah. text. Yeah. And if you, if you notice that, so there is a long list of readings recommended, but the footnotes are relatively skinny <laughs> and, yes, and right. deliberate. Because I realized that if I want a book to really serve the classroom, whether it's in a church or in the fields or <laughs> on a train station or in a, in a seminary room, uh, the, the, the footnotes sometimes uh, become an obstacle. Yes. They, they kind of, we are, we may have a reaction to them. And also, I know so many Luther scholars and Lutheran theologians, most of them in the world are my friends. And so, well, if I quote one, then who do I leave out? So I decided <laughs> I'm not going to quote anybody. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a couple. But, but really, I also, uh, if, you, if you look how many books have been written on Lutheran theology yes. and who are the authors who have been not published yet and who have been published there is a certain gap and uh, for instance not many women have written book length treatments on lutheran theology right not that they have not wanted but they have not gotten the contract now why is that and and so or or uh, i have a currently a student who is writing on luther queering luther reading luther's reading on genesis from queer perspective that is going to be an awesome book so we're going to see more books coming that break the mold so in my footnotes and resources, I wanted to list books that are really good, in my opinion, and that the students have found helpful, but be really deliberate of including women and, and voices of, uh, that present a different perspective from the what was known as the standard and the criteria with which we uh, compare everything we say. Okay, wow. Thank you so much. Well, you certainly have made a contribution, and uh, I'm delighted that we've been able to have this conversation and um, hope that others will uh, look at the text or buy the text and, and really dwell into Lutheran theology. And so I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank uh, my, you. My guest today has been uh, Dr. Kiersey Sterner, who is the First Lutheran Los Angeles Southwest California Synod Professor of Lutheran History and Theology at the Specific Lutheran Theological Seminary. Um, for... For the Seminary Explorers, Nelson Strobert, have a good day. You have been listening to The Seminary Explorers, a production of United Lutheran Seminary with campuses in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We invite you to visit our website at unitedlutheranseminary.edu. Opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of United Lutheran Seminary or the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America.